the witch, the priestess, and the cauldron. A podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Hi there. <laughs> we're, we're in sync today. Either that or we're out of practice, one or the other. But it sounded good, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year! Hey, yes, Happy New Year. We're back. Yes, we're back. After our hiatus of a couple of weeks, lots of fun and frills with Christmas. A little bit of illness. Oh, yes. I think that we're all, everybody that I have been dealing with has had either a touch, including myself and Phoenix, or are really down. Yeah. I mean, just on the bottom. Yeah. Make sure you're... Taking your vitamins, people. Vitamins, immune, no one around. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So, well, how was your holiday and time uh, away from our, our show? Our holiday was good. It was, you know, very busy being in the retail world. I am, uh, I have not had any time off since before Thanksgiving. So it was kind of nice to, was it the weekend of Christmas? I don't remember now, but there was a day where I actually had a whole day off. Because even on Christmas, you know, we we do Christmas at at my house, right? You know, with the in-laws and the children, and it's just Christmas is a thing. Uh-huh. You, you know, my partner and I do Yule ourselves, and then we do Christmas with the larger family. So, right. um, you know, we we host it. So it's cooking and cleaning and processing and putting things out and making sure everyone's okay. And so that's a job. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, since the weekend, the second weekend of November, I have not had any time off. Oh my! So I am looking forward to this weekend uh-huh. uh, because I'm going away, and I will not have a phone access or uh, have the internet or anything. So I will be forced to just rest for three days. Isn't that an interesting thing about saying forced yeah. to rest? Yeah. 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 And New Year's was lovely. It was mellow. We, For the first time, we stayed home. The, not the first time ever, but the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a couple of friends who were down from Canada who were with us, and we had a fire in the backyard and burned some old shit that needed to go away. And mm-hmm. uh, on the first, my partner and I do a ritual every year at the coast, at the beach. And the, uh, the next day we went out, and it was so windy at the beach. We go to this very specific place where we do this very specific ritual, and we've done it every year that we've been together. Uh, and it was so windy. We we cut the ritual short mm-hmm. and stayed away from the edge of the cliff <laughs> because it was that windy. I was like, uh, uh, if we get if the wind gusts like that and you're on the edge of the cliff, you will be down the cliff in the water. Oh my goodness! It was so windy. Oh my goodness! Uh, but it really felt cleansing. Mm-hmm. I needed that strong, cold, sharp, heavy mm-hmm. wind. Mm-hmm. I just felt it. I really just 
opened up my heart chakra and let it blow through and blow out and clear the cobwebs, and it felt right. really good. So, uh, you know, and it's flooding here. Yes, where we live. Yes, uh, so now I'm dealing with that. <laughs> Every, and everything's fine. I'm not flooding or anything, but, you know, again, retail business. So I'm watching my customers deal with it and right. watching my community deal with it and, right. and all of that. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. How are you? How was your holiday and your vacation? Oh, well, um, flying on what would have, was a Mercury retrograde was um, a little unnerving for me, but actually it was it went very well. I made all the connections. I never lost a piece of luggage, even going through the, you know, NSA checkpoints, mm-hmm. nothing strange or weird, you know. I mean, it was totally, I, I was like, wow, this is really good. And when I got there... I had anticipated, because this is, you know, um, <clears throat> northwest Arkansas, I thought we were going to be in winter, so I sent all these heavy clothes, and I was, you know, taking on layers that I would, you know, and not, no, it was about 50s and 60s, there was no rain, no snow, um, it drizzled a little, <clears throat> they had a little thunder, but nothing, and I'm watching our temperatures here in the cold, freezing areas, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, so... Um, that was great. The kids were great. Uh, it was, you know, uh, Christmas. I have to say that my daughter is a true person of my blood and loins because when I got there, she had decorated every inch of her house inside and out. And as Phoenix going to test, even though I haven't had a chance to take it down, my house is the same way. She grew up with that process, and she just is full bore carried it on and I was just like giggling every time I went into the bathroom or down the hall so and my granddaughter was just incredible so it was a lot of fun a lot of family they are very family orientated there so there's you know his family and then um his sections of family like his father's side and his mother's side Mm -hmm. and so we kind of had all these different things we were doing and we got to play a little bit my daughter and my granddaughter and I and and then you know I took clients in the morning and for the sake of everything it's strange because I'm two hours ahead of everybody right. so I'm I'm my brain is sort of off and so is my circadian rhythm rhythm yeah. and uh, but I enjoyed it and and Christmas was great and uh, watching everybody open their gifts and how it all went down was trippy and New Year's actually very low keyed. <laughs> And New Year's Day was more about going out to a movie and, you know, being with family and then throwing me on a plane the next day so I could come back and literally touch ground and keep running since yeah. I've been home. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun, and, and I'm glad to be back. And I've noticed that um, some of our other co-hosts have had some problems, you know, uh, with getting shows together and you know our our show is sort of being pre-recorded because of a commitment that Phoenix has that we have to take into account so I think we'll probably make it next week live yes I think that's that's the plan that's as far as we can tell so this particular uh, subject is Caridwin and we did have the cauldron go up last week as a rebroadcast as a preliminary. Yeah, good timing. It was very good timing. So, Caridwin, go for it, darling. Okay. Once upon a time, in the long, long ago, in a land far over the sea, a land called Wales, there was a woman named Caridwin. And Caridwin was very powerful, 
Some called her a witch. Some called her an enchantress. Some called her a medicine woman. But she knew the magic. She knew the magic of plants. She knew the magic of change. And she had two children. And I'm not going to pronounce their names because they're Welsh, and I don't want to be disrespectful to the Welsh language. But let's leave it at at this. One child was very beautiful, and her name actually translated to beauty. And she was bright and lovely and wise, and Caridwen knew that her daughter would have no issues in life because of this. And Caridwen had a second child who was very ugly and very misshapen, and his name actually translates as darkness. And so if we think of this tale, Caridwen was the mother of light and dark. And she knew that her poor son would have a really hard time in life and that people would shy away from him and be afraid. And so she decided to create a magical elixir that would give her precious son all of the wisdom of the world. So no matter what his outward appearance might be, he would be wise. People would look to him for help because of this wisdom. And she spent a year and a day gathering herbs and special medicinal plants and special medicinal objects and magical bits and threw them into her giant cauldron and created this elixir, this elixir of wisdom. And she took this poor blind man, Morphan, who sometimes people say is her son, but that's not true. (laughs) She took Morphan and had this blind man stoke the fire And this is an interesting thing we'll talk about later, a blind man in charge of the fire. And for a year and a day, Morphin kept the fire going. And Caridwen found Gwion Bach, a boy from the other world. And he was charged with stirring the cauldron for a year and a day because this magical elixir had to constantly be stirred. And Caridwen herself couldn't do it because she had to go and collect the magical items to put into the brew. And so a year and a day goes by, and young Guion Bach stirs and stirs and stirs. And on the very last day, at the very last hour when the brew will be ready for Caridwen's son, three drops splash out from a bubble that bursts and land on Guion's finger. And because it is hot and scalding, he puts his finger in his mouth. And just like that, He has all of the wisdom from the brew, and the rest of the cauldron is poison. It turns over and cracks open and spills into the ground, and it actually poisons a whole valley and kills a farmer's horses. And Gwion now possesses the wisdom that was supposed to be for Caridwen's son. And he knows immediately, uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Because right as the... The cauldron shatters, it creates a ripping and tearing sound that spreads across the landscape of Wales. And Caridwen knows exactly what has happened. And she flies into a fury that only a mother can fly into. Her protection goes up, and she is angry, and she will make Gwion pay. And so she begins to chase after him. And Gwion knows, because now he has all the wisdom that he needs to change form because he can't outrun her as Guyon Buck. And so he changes into a hare, and he runs and runs and runs. But Caridwen's no dummy, and so she changes too. She changes into a hound or a greyhound, depending on 
the the story you read. And she, the dog chases and chases the rabbit, chases and chases the hare. And right as her teeth are bared and she's about to bite his little bunny bo- bottom, he goes, uh-oh, this isn't working. And he changes form again, and he flies, no, he jumps into the waters, and he is a salmon. And he swims and swims, and he tries to escape, and he thinks, oh, I'm safe now, I'm in the water. But again, Caridwen sees what is coming. She is a wise enchantress. And she changes into a river otter and dives into the river and chases the salmon, a delicious, tasty treat. And she swims after him and swims after him. And Gwion realizes, this isn't going to work either. I'm in trouble. And right at the last moment when, when the river otter is about to grab the tasty salmon, Gwion changes forms again and jumps out of the water into the form of a wren. And he's flapping his little wings as fast as he can because the wren is the king of the birds in Welsh mythology. And he flies and he flies and he flies. And then Caridwen jumps out of the river and becomes the hawk. And she chases him and she flies after him. And there is this beautiful, magical battle in the air as the wren tries to evade the hawk. And right as her talons are about to grasp him, he sees that there is a landscape of grain, of corn kernels down on the ground. And so he transforms one last time into a kernel of corn and falls to the earth and lands amongst a huge pile of grain. But Caridwen will not be stopped. She is pissed and he will pay. And so she turns to a chicken and pecks and pecks and pecks and thinks, I don't care if I have to eat this whole goddamn field. I will get that little bastard. And eventually she does. And she swallows him down. And she transforms back into herself as the enchantress and thinks, ha ha, gotcha. However, that grain has turned into a baby in her belly. And soon she realizes she is with child. And she realizes that this child is Gwion. And she thinks, don't worry, little baby. I'll still get you. As soon as you are born, I'm going to kill you. Because she is still pissed nine months later. And when that baby is born... He is so beautiful and so radiant, and there is a magical energetic to him that she recognizes as the goddess. And so instead of murdering this poor baby, she puts him into a coracle, a little sea leather boat, and puts him into the river and sends him away. And later he's found by uh, Elfin, who is a, a prince in some stories, or a farmer's son in other stories. And actually, Elfin is the son of the the farmer whose horses got poisoned by the brew, full circle there. Mm-hmm. And he finds this coracle in the river, and he finds this beautiful baby, and that baby becomes Taliesin, or the Merlin one of the most famous poets and bards and magicians from all of mythology. Mm-hmm. And that is the story of Caridwen. Wow. Be careful <laughs> what you do around a mom. Right? No kidding. Yeah. So that's very interesting. It's it's um it shows both her light and dark side. Absolutely. You know, both the mother and the crone, I mean, the destroyer. Right. And she does hold that in the traditions, whether it's ancient or more modern. Mm-hmm. What I find so interesting 
uh, you know, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I, I have been initiated into a Druid organization. I'm no longer active in that group. Uh, but we spent a lot of time studying Caridwen and her story and her and this story specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, and I find it interesting that modern paganism always associates Caridwen with the crone. Uh-huh. But if we read her story, she is a mother. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, she's fierce. And she gets angry, and so we often don't associate that with mother. Right. Mother is the nurturer. Right. That's not always true. Mother is a fierce mama bear who protects uh-huh. her children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also think that because of the death-rebirth process, because you realize that, and we'll get more into this after the break, but the whole process of changing from mm-hmm. one form to another right. is a death-rebirth process that, I think a lot of the more common folk in in looking at it says this is death, so she's a crone. I right. mean, I think that's what they see because of the changing, and she is put to you know she puts you to the test, yeah. and whether you can actually make the next shift or the next jump, so to speak. Right. So I think that's probably where they get stuck. Yeah. And yet, <clears throat> you're right, there is the mother, the aspect of protection, the aspect of wanting the best for your child, whether it's you know, a brew to make him wise because he's pretty not so, what should we say, handsome, right. or, you know, the the dynamics of um, loving and caring. She's just very, very strong. Right. And I think that's what... I think we can say we can watch and try to maybe rebalance it in this in the show to say there is two aspects, sure, and we don't need to get stuck yeah. in just the crone, right? We have plenty of those, right? You know, right? And I would say you know we often associate the crone with that fierceness. Mm-hmm. You know, the the crone is I'm going to use some language here. The crone is the bitch. Mm-hmm. She doesn't put up with your nonsense. Mm-hmm. She is stern and sometimes a little bit mean. Mm-hmm. And let's be real, we associate that with old women. Right. Young women aren't allowed to be like that. They're not, you know, they're supposed to be all nice and sweet and gentle. And mothers are supposed to be nurturing and mm-hmm. caring and kind. Mm-hmm. And only old women are allowed to be bitches. And that's just not true. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're changing some yeah. of the, the archetypal Absolutely. strategies here because you're noticing a lot of different, I mean, we're seeing it in iconic um, people that are out there. They're mm-hmm. acting in certain ways. They yeah. say certain things. Um, obviously, we have many things we could go into, but this is not a political show or uh, that kind of a controversial process. But we are seeing a change mm-hmm. in how the females are taking that energy of the fierceness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless, you know, we have, I think paganism is a, we're a counterculture. Yeah. You know, which is, we're a counterculture. So we approach femininity and uh, female power and female empowerment mm-hmm. much differently than what I would call the overculture. Right. right? Or a dominant culture mm-hmm. where, yeah, women's uh, we're getting a little bit more. We're having we're seeing more equality, but, it, but it's still not there. Mm-hmm. And I think in our in our counterculture in paganism, it's much more normal. Like mm-hmm. you know, for to for us to say, oh yeah, well anyone can be fierce. Any female can be fierce. Well yeah, duh. <laughs> True. Yeah, but but it, it, we're still bombarded with all of this information from our dominant culture where that mm-hmm. is not true or not allowed, or women are still just 
you know, our bodies are what is important. Right. You know, so, yeah. So, and so Caridwin, actually, I think she is not a maiden. Nope. So she is not the, the, the other part of the female structure. She is mother, and it doesn't necessarily, I think, and again, we'll go to this a lot in different, with different goddesses. She doesn't have to be a mother of a, of a physical child. Right. But she is a mother. Right. And her creation is what she wants to safeguard. Right. So um, I think for us, we are very much about female power and energy and, and keeping the, the, the process going in that way. So Caridwin, I think, holds a, a very unique place for us that is the between. Yeah, yeah. And what, I've, what I feel, my, this is very much my personal view, is, you know, we talk about this beautiful child and this ugly child, but I really do believe that if we were, if we could time travel to when her stories may have been originally told, mm-hmm. we are talking about the mother of light and dark, right. day and night. Day this, and this night. is a creatrix goddess and not just this sweet folktale. The sweet folktale is what survived. Right. But I truly, and I, I have no way to back this up with, I'm sure there's evidence out there, but I have no way to back it up. I don't have that specific evidence. It's just what I feel in my gut. And mm-hmm. after working with this myth for three years, you mm-hmm. know, digging into this story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the text, this Caridwin's tale is called Haynes Taliesin, Taliesin, or the Book of Taliesin, mm-hmm. Taliesin. Uh, and it's Welsh. It's in a Welsh collection of tales called the Mabinogian. Mm-hmm. But the Caridwin story, Talisin story, wasn't part of the original Mabinogian. Right. The Mabinogian is the, I'm going to use air quotes here, is the Welsh romances. Mm-hmm. These are the these are old school Welsh myth- mythological stories, much like the prose Edda is to the Norse. Right. Or the Bullfinch's mythology is to the Greek. Right. 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 So. We have this very these very old books, these very old stories that were written down by monks mm-hmm. many, many years after they were originally told by local tribes and local people and local villages. And somehow this story of Taliesin's origination, Caridwin's tale, was added to the end of it. Uh, but there really isn't any text earlier than that. They, there's a belief um, about the mid-16th century is when the uh-huh. story was first written down. Right. And some scholars believe that it comes from a 9th century story because the language doesn't quite fit. Like right. it's, it's an older version of the language than the 16th century language. Uh-huh. But we can't really know how old this tale is, and that's why I feel like it's become this little folk tale, and it's part of the Mabinogian. Uh-huh. But it's not hard to look at the surface of this tale, mm-hmm. even at the surface, you can see the hidden symbolism in it, which we'll right. talk about more. Right. But this story is dripping with symbolism <laughs> and magic. And, right. And you can see Welsh uh, magical practice mm-hmm. in this story. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, this, is, this is a place where we can discuss the point that Fairy tales, folk tales are watered-down versions oh, yeah. of what originally were as much of a – it was um, oral form right. that then got written. Right. And when it translated, they kind of softened it. Right. And I think that these are all about spiritual practices. Yeah. And um, the myths or the legends are the way to, to talk about it. Yeah. And that – 
is the way they couched it. So, and it's interesting. You, I have used the the uh, callison is how I say. It. Oh yeah. And um, that was one of my, and I keep saying it, and we talk about it. That was my dog's name, uh, yeah. my last West Highland Terrier boy's dog's name. And it's funny because my stepson's name is Merlin. Right. And we, before I got in married to my last husband and I got to know this, we had a cat named Merlin. So right. we had to determine Merlin cat, Merlin boy, and then we had Talison dog. Right. So it's kind of interesting how this particular event of talking about this myth and this legend, yeah. like I'm going, my gosh, they were, they're all part of my life and, yeah. and now, of course, changed form. But right. And that Taliesin, 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 I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Right. But this tale is his birth story. Yes. Right? So, yes, it's about Caridwen, and we associate it with Caridwen, but it was the, the birth story of the most powerful bard ever mm-hmm. in Welsh history. Mm-hmm. And but I want to kind of talk about what that means for a second. A bard. A bard, we think of, oh, the guy with the harp, and he walks from village to village singing songs, and he's a minstrel. (laughs) No, the bards were powerful sorcerers, powerful druids, powerful magicians. These folks, the druids, believed that satire could kill someone. Mm-hmm. If you sang the right song or read the right poem, if you made fun of the king in the right way, you could make him sick. Words have power. We still know this as mm-hmm. modern pagans, mm-hmm. right? Bards had access to language and, a, and a, a talent with language and music that other people didn't have. They were very powerful and hidden in their music and hidden in the tales and hidden in all of that was powerful spells, powerful information, um, grassroots, mm-hmm. you know, how do you spread information from one village to another? Well, the bard. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Bards were very powerful. And so that's why Caridwen is associated with bards. That's why she's considered the mother of the bards. Mm-hmm. That's why all of the bards would sing to Caridwen and honor her mm-hmm. because she gave birth to the most celebrated of them all. Right. Right. Interesting because of course her cauldron is about inspiration right. and poetry as well as quote death rebirth. And um we're talking about this and I'm thinking, how many times have I talked to my clients about the concept of well, I'm cursed, I'm crossed, you know, somebody doesn't like me, and, of course, there's all the things that they want to, and and maybe it's been done by some people, of all the magic that has been done to them. And I'm looking at this going, and I keep saying to them, they do not have to work the kind of magic you're talking about. They can say something with such intensity Mm -hmm. that is negative Mm -hmm. that it can hurt yeah. you on a spiritual level right. as well and it's that energy that you need to work to remove or to shift right and it's funny because thinking about this I'm going how many times a day with clients we talk about right words yeah you know it's not just I want to have this I need that it's more I have this ability, I bring this in. Yep. The bardic concept watered down for modern usage. Sure. Yeah. But words have power. But words have power. Words have power. And we know that as pagans, that mm-hmm. that concept has not been lost. Right. And so here we have this goddess who is connected to the magicians right. of language, the magicians right. of spoken word. 
right? So it's it's pretty powerful, and I feel like again, this story we told is the story of Taliesin's birth, the birth of the bard. Right. So how powerful and ancient is this goddess force, mm-hmm. the mother of light and dark? The mother of Taliesin. Mm-hmm. Like, there is some deep shit here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it is, it's learning that what we create doesn't have to just be um, with potions and different things. That it's it's the words put in cadence to a certain tempo and how you do it that, you know, the chants. We go back to the mantras of the Hindus. We mm-hmm. go, these are all, you can see the thread right. throughout all cultures about the power of that, that word and how it moves through us and what we pull together. Absolutely. So, um, obviously, we will be having um, our break in a, in a couple of minutes, but there are a few things. One of the things that she is known for is the white sow. Yes. And um, the, the sow is protective. She is fierce. Fierce mother. Fierce mother. And obviously we look at, I mean, I don't want to get into pigs and bacon and all that, but everybody loves bacon. Yeah. Almost everybody. Almost. Um, but as a, a sustenance, she right. is also a sustenance, not only yeah. in a physical form, but also in a spiritual form. Yeah. And the, the bards of the Druid fold were called Caridwin's piglets. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's so cute. Yeah. You think, and then you think of... I'm sorry, we go to Piglet and Pooh. <laughs> I'm thinking he always had a specific wisdom. Sure. You know, without getting into that. It's like you see the different ways people have kept that myth and yeah. that energy and legend and power through. Right. In modern day. Yeah. So. And she is from, there is a place in Wales where Bala Lake, mm-hmm. it's still there. It's Clintegid is what its Welsh name is. Hmm. But Bala Lake is still there. You can still go and visit this this place. Right. It is Caridwin's home. It's where she was believed to have lived. Right. Uh, and there are many Druid groups that pilgrimage there and do ritual at her lake and mm-hmm. give her offerings. It's mm-hmm. still happening modern day. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I know that um, we also have uh, the birch, which is another sacred uh, tree for her, and it's it's the representation of um, Beth, the first letter of the Druidic alphabet. Right. So um, it is a very it's about beginnings, and so as a way of looking at making something, you know, I think of birch. If I'm not mistaken, of course, I'm not as up on all of my horticulture, but. <laughs> Uh, birch are, um, if I remember correctly, their roots gather together. Right. And they're very much a communal yeah. uh, tree or plant. Right. So that, you know, when one has it, they send the the actual mm-hmm. energies through all of it, mm-hmm. which is kind of fascinating. I thought about that when I was reading that. I was like, that's such a fascinating concept mm-hmm. of community. Right. You know, right. and again, the bardic community, the spiritual community. Right. Uh, so anything else that we want to throw in before our break? Are we, is it time? Yes, it is okay. break time. Okay. So we'll be back. You're listening to the 
Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Ruler Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candelo's Corner with Candelo Camisa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silas League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Bitter Foxy with Madame Naya and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday 6 to 7.30, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lafay, Friday 6 to 7, and Liquid Libations with Andrea Western, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific. Add three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curie Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. We are back. Hello. Yay! <laughs> we get so excited when we get we hear that. It's very um, enthusiastic energy that sort of brings us back into our time. So now. We get to talk about what that whole story yeah. is a representation yeah. in terms of, right? which is? Right. So we have Guion, this boy from the other world, which I feel <laughs> is a very important piece that often gets lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would a boy from the other world be here mm-hmm. still on our plane, what, what, right? Right. Uh, and he transforms from Guion... Into Taliesin, he goes through this process of transformation, of shape-shifting. In the Celtic system, there are not four elements like we find in modern paganism, where we have earth, air, fire, and water. In the, in the Celtic system, in the Druidic systems, there are only three elements, land, sea, and sky. And this is true for Wales, Britain, Brittany, Scotland, Ireland. This is pretty universal for that mm-hmm. area. Why do they keep fire out? Fire is the transformer. Fire uh-huh. cannot exist without the other elements. Elements, okay. Right? Which totally makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, well. So fire is, is still revered and mm-hmm. honored, but fire is the transformer. It's the in-between, kind of more like how we hold spirit, really. Right. Okay. Um, it can't exist without the other elements. So we see Guion take into the magic elixir, and then change into a creature of land mm-hmm. and survive. Mm-hmm. And then change into a creature of sea and then survive. And then change into a creature of sky and survive. And then be ingested into the belly of the goddess and reborn as a bard. Mm-hmm. This is a path of initiation. Right. This is a path any of us can go through mm-hmm. for initiation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, this land sea and sky pattern fits in lots of different things from the Celts and the Irish, Uh, lots of different things, even our bodies, like our root is the land, our heart is the sea, our head is the sky, the three cauldrons system. Mm -hmm. There are magical cauldrons that represent initiation and rebirth uh, all over the place in Mm -hmm. Celtic myth and Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And so we see this man, this boy, go through this process of shape-shifting through the elements into his power. Right. Through the belly of the goddess. So I feel like Caridwen's tale, much like how I think of Inanna 
and her tail uh-huh. is a map for us to go through personal initiation. Right. Right? Right. You know? Like, you don't even have to go through any formal training. You don't have to join a coven or a lineage. Uh-huh. Go connect with Caridwin <laughs> and start running. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Dial Caridwin and go. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also, it's very shamanic. Yeah. Um, we use that term shamanic, which actually comes from the Norwegian and the Finnish points of reference as a kind of an overall, because now we have a catchphrase for something, but as the transformation, as the initiation, it is literally something we go through Mm -hmm. and change, shape shift from one situation. And we do it in our lifetime. And it is not something that we have to sit and we can do spiritual meditation and do the, the the drumming and go into whatever trance state to do this. We do it all the time. It is a consistency of what we do. We go from one job to another. Mm-hmm. We are initiated. We learn. We go. We change. Mm-hmm. We go through school. So I think that we forget that it is an everyday process. Yeah. that we do on a consistent basis as shapeshifters. Yeah. We just we we have taken the sacred out of what we see every day. Right. And that's what this what I want to do in this show is to bring the sacred back to daily life. Right. Through what we talk about, but I also feel that is the purpose of modern witches and pagans mm-hmm. is to bring that back because we've forgotten it. Right. Or we've kind of put it aside because it's our practice, but we don't do it in a daily way. And, we oh, well, we can't bring our little doodads into our corporate work. I mean, we are it. Right. So embody it. And then what do we speak? We speak out. We talk in our job. Yeah. We do it with power. Right. So I think of, of this process as how do I take what I do and make it real in the world that I live in, mm-hmm. not just what I love to go do? I mean, it was a conversation that I had before our show about seeing the, the movie Moana, mm-hmm. and it is about navigational kahunas and what became the kahunas when they went to Hawaii. Yeah. But it is what do we do with it in a daily way? Right. And it reminded me of what my training was, is how I learned to use it in my life, mm-hmm. whether I do it as a profession or not. Mm-hmm. And Caritwin reminds me of that. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I was looking to try and make an altar and I realized I didn't have any, anything that I could put together and I was sort of at this, like, oh my God, what do I do? And then I just thought, I don't think this is one for me to make an altar because it is what we do. We're mothers, whether we're mothers of children or of our animals of our art, of our work, we're very fierce and protective. Mm-hmm. We transform when we go from one place to another. Right. So shape shifting. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that that this is a powerful goddess. And you know, on a personal note, it's very interesting to me because I am having a very elemental year. Um, I'm I'm teaching an, an elements of magic class. I was supposed to start on Tuesday, but because of the flooding, we had to push it back, so it's starting on this coming Tuesday. <laughs> uh, and there was such a, an interest in this class that I've taught dozens of times. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, the class had a waiting list. 
Uh-huh. And the waiting list became so long that I'm now going to do a second round of this class, uh-huh. right? And then I'm teaching at two witch camps over the summer, uh-huh. and I'm teaching elements of magic at both uh-huh. of these witch camps. It just worked out that way. This is not something I sought out or whatever. It, just, right. it worked out this way. And I feel like there is something about 2017 that is uh, an elemental year, uh-huh. going back to our roots, going back to the beginning steps, going back to the foundation. Because uh-huh. sometimes uh, I know, that, well, my personal past, I started practicing paganism forever ago, and I had run little women's circles myself and had d- done a ton of solitary practice, and I had, you know, I'd done a bunch of stuff. And then I found the Reclaiming Community, and the Reclaiming Community offers this Elements of Magic class, uh-huh. which is a foundational course. It's not basic. It's not entry level. It's foundational, right? And at the time, when I was 22 or whatever, and I'd already been running my own covens for four years, I was like, I'm not taking your beginner's class. I'm way too, like, experienced for that. Um, And so I I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for another decade when things had changed in my life that I finally decided, okay, I'll take this Mm -hmm. class. It'll be basic and easy, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And it it wasn't basic and easy. It was foundational, and it reminded me of my roots and my right. foundation. Right. And that's where I find myself again this year, and that's where I think we are as a community. Because again, talking about that overculture is kind of uh, insane right now. It's kind of yes, uh, weird things are happening. Uh-huh. So I feel it's even more important for our um community or pagan community to get back to those foundations to mm-hmm. remember the elements to remember the basic practices that we might be taking for granted right and there's a lot of interest in witchcraft right now it, we are having a resurgence and it's goddesses like Caridwen that are collecting these people bringing the, the them into the fold right you know right interesting because when you see this as a movement mm-hmm. it is because What's going on is just like the roots of the birch. We're getting signals that we need to get strong again. Right. And we need to go back to basics. Interesting, as we all know, 2017 is a one year. We just finished a nine year, which definitely was a nine year. And this year is, again, just what you're saying, getting back to basics, beginning the death rebirth process and we are literally living it in our spiritual communities Mm -hmm. and I think that's very important and hopefully the way the show is going to go for this year we're going to step up our game there's going to be some different things we are going to do after we get our first two months under our belt to get situated but I really feel that this goddess is a clarion call Mm mm-hmm for who we are. Yeah. And, you know, there is the dark shapeshifter and the light shapeshifter. Sure. sure. There is the dark crone and the light crone, the dark mother and the, you know, light mother. Mm-hmm. And she holds both. Right. You know, um, it was interesting because when I was doing some of the reading, I mean, we were talking beforehand about crone and how she gets stuck as being a crone, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. Think of the old women or women at a certain age that are either, they are very, solid about who they are and they they talk about what they are doing and they're out there or the ones that are bitter because they don't feel they're hurt mm-hmm. 
you know, and uh, the same thing in the shape-shifting. You can shape-shift and do the negative, which I thought was fascinating. They were talking about politicians, and I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but you have the ones that are doing good for the community and the ones that are doing self-for-self-serving purposes, mm-hmm. you know, to, to change who we are to be more for what we're going out right. and going to do, or we're going to change and be what we want for greed. Right. And... This is very interesting because as I was reading this, I was going, well, you know, we don't get into politics, mm-hmm. but we do touch upon it because sure. it's part of our life. Absolutely. And I'm noticing that with the floods, it's a cleansing. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, my God, we've got so much water. It's, you know, to that. it's cleansing. We were in a drought right. a year ago. Right. We were parched. We were We were at that point where we had no sustenance. And right. now... Completely yeah. the other way. And you mentioned that we're in a one year, and uh, Guion, my partner, Guion, not Guion from Caridwin's Tales. Yes, yes, they have the same name. Yes. Um, Guion and I write a blog together. It's called The Witches Next Door. And yesterday, or this morning, I don't know, we published a blog about the number one um, and the magician. Mm-hmm. And the magician wields the tools of power, which are the elements. Right. Earth, air, fire, and water. You can see in the card, in the tarot card right. of the magician, there's typically, depending on the, the deck you have, but typically there's a man standing at an altar with a wand in his hand mm-hmm. and a cup mm-hmm. and a, a blade of some form and a pentacle on his altar in front of him. Right. He wields the tools. He wields the element. Right. Right? And that's where we are here, again, in this story and in this year and in and in what's going on for Potentially for the pagan community, mm-hmm. it's time to get back to our roots and to the basics and to wield them consciously. Absolutely. And we know that when we look at ones and we look at the tarot, as both of us do work with the tarot on a professional level, we are aware that the magician is always the active element, and the high priestess, which comes next, is the what would be passive or receptive. But it's the wisdom we draw on. And Caridon represents both. Right. So I think that for us as a community, this is a good goddess to start our year with. It doesn't matter if it's not part of the spiritual Sabbath. You know, we'll be coming up with, you know, Imbal and Bridget and, and the different goddesses that will represent the, the different aspects of the year. This is about the beginning of this year. Right, exactly. And I like that. So it's it's been a real joy being able to go back and read this and come out with, you know, what it was and what we are talking about. Yes, there's a history we can talk about. It was, you know, 9th century, 6th century, right, you know, 12th right. century, whatever. Right. But it's much older. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Phoenix has reminded me through her conversation about how old this really is and how much right. we need to remember to start looking at our basics mm-hmm. as, you know, not just because January 1st is the first of the solar year. It's the basics of what we need to start 2017, which is a calendar year that most of the people are functioning on. There right. are other calendar years, be it Chinese or Judaic or whatever. Right. But most of us are using this one. This one. Yep. So we, we go with it and we, we move with it. And um, it's very, very uh, strong and it's not um, 
I feel very empowered mm. uh, about doing this show. And I have to say, prior to doing this show, I was not feeling all that terrifically enthusiastic <laughs> uh, about much of anything. I felt like I was being dragged through a keyhole backward, as my mom would say. And I was like, okay, okay, fine, we'll do this. But this has really enthused me, and it's yeah. got my little wheels going. Nice. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is yeah, this is very interesting. So, um Thank you for, you know, putting putting words to things that maybe I'm not always seeing, but I'm feeling. Mm. Well, you know, the goddessy stuff, that's my jam. I, I know it is. I love the goddess tales and talking about their stories and their histories and mm-hmm. taking it deeper than just this little tale. Yeah. What else? There's a lot of shit, especially in this story. There's so much to unpack. It could, yeah. We could have a whole day workshop about Caridwin. Which so, may someday come to pass. Yeah. You, know. you never know. Yeah. And I would say if, if you feel excited or called or if this goddess is speaking to you, go get a cauldron. You know, you don't have to spend 100 bucks on a cauldron. Mm-hmm. You go start scouring thrift stores and antique mm-hmm. shops. And you want a good, solid cast-iron cauldron, preferably one with feet and a lid, but that's not necessarily uh-huh. required. And start working with it and polishing it up and making it seasoned and filling it with water and putting herbs in it and seeing what happens and, and making it a magical tool. We had a whole show on cauldrons. It re-aired last week. Go listen to that. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. the cauldron is a magical tool, and it's a gateway into Caridwen. Right. It's a gateway into starting to commune with her. It's the first thing you could put on a devotional altar to her. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. there's lots of ways to work um, with, with Caridwen, but the the cauldron is definitely an, an easy portal. Yes. Yeah. And one thing we can go, we, we can mention um, in terms of, this is that it is also the Arthurian legend that starts yeah. being born from this particular tale and the grail and the different aspects because there's parts of the tale that were not told about Elfin being captured. If he was the prince, he was captured by this other king and Taliesin had to go and do a whole thing with, you know, like do a, a Barred off, so to speak, right, yeah. and win the freedom, and, you know, there's this whole thing. But in the meantime, there's all these different aspects mm-hmm. that start pulling together. Right. And you begin to see how the cultures change the story a bit, yeah. Yeah. but it still has the elements. Right. Well, there's this heart of the tale of how Taliesin becomes Taliesin, mm-hmm. right? And then there's this sort of... Uh, as the world turns drama soap opera yes. swirling around it with with Elfin. Mm-hmm. And then there's tales of, of Gwizno, Elfin's father. Right. And there's tales, there all of these characters that are minor, sometimes not even mentioned right. in different versions of the Caridwen Gwion tale. Right. Have their own mythologies connected to them. So I know. You could spend a lifetime. With this one story. Right. And and all its subsidiaries. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. I just, I was I was fascinated because we always find, even when we talked about the chalice mm-hmm. and the connection with the grail, because yeah. people see the chalice and the grail as cups, yeah. and then you go into the cauldron, and actually then you go back to the cauldron and the, cha- and the grail, which puts you into another, you know, into that. And then this particular story, Story and how it has 
it morphs into other aspects for different reasons that are, are brought up by cultures or groups of people that suddenly change it <laughs> for their purposes. Right. But again, it's all about knowledge, inspiration, bringing forth something out of death and rebirth. Right. And I think for us, this is a tale that we will probably be doing for the year. I think that we yeah. will be living it. Yeah. We are not necessarily going to be talking about it every time on our show, but I think right. it will be something we will see we're living. Mm-hmm. And there's something interesting in that, right? Um, to be chased by the goddess is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. To be almost eaten is terrifying. And then to reach the end of it and be set afloat and to not know what will we become on the other side. Right. This is not easy work. It is not easy work. It is Uh hard and it is Uh uh, aggressive. Right. And it's necessary, Uh you know, and I'm seeing a lot on the internet and, you know, because I write a blog, I see a lot of other blogs and a lot of people are talking about, okay, my guys have been telling me to get ready for a long time and this is what they've been telling me to get ready uh-huh, for. Uh-huh. This is an, we are stepping into interesting waters oh, here. Oh yes. And and the more we can connect to these forces, these gods, uh-huh. these energetics, the more they will help us. All right. Which we could use. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And it's interesting because a long time ago when I was working my way through different groups of people, I was working with the people with the Ascended Masters mm-hmm. and uh, the um, different Drumble Melchizedek groupings and, you know, all of that. And truthfully, this is the clarion call that they were talking about. And it's funny because we're talking at least a decade and a half ago, and it wasn't something to do with 2012 or any of those things. Right. But it is truly the time. And because we're coming close to our ending of our show, yes. our next show will be on the water. Yes. So it fits with where we're flowing to, not just on the West Coast with rains <laughs> and all. Yeah, hopefully we'll be done with the water with at least a fair amount. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that this is a flow. We are ready to step into it and move. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, absolutely. And you know, do do some more research on Caridwin. Mm-hmm. See what you discover, and um, there is a lot out there. And and fi- there's lots of different versions of the Mabinokian too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, different versions will have different translations of this other text that was translated right. amongst you know, blah, blah, blah. right. You know, you know, all the different translations and ways things are talked about. Right. So, but it is something to do. Have fun. Yes. We will be back on air yes. next week. And blessings to all. Yes.
Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.